Welcome to this week's One Take Only Ulster Rugby Roundup. I'm Gareth Hanna and with me as always are Jonathan Bradley. Hiya, how's it going? And Adam McKendry. Hey guys. Last week of course we had to record things twice thanks to the untimely announcement of Les Kiss departure. This week we get our teeth into life after Kiss a little bit more. Jonathan Sexton's status as Ireland's new king and Ulster's upcoming fixture against Southern Kings. First of all, um, we've just come out of an interview with Bryn Cunningham um, where we find out a little bit more about... Uh, Ulster's plans now looking ahead um, so what needed addressed from that interview and um, what more do we know now that we didn't uh, an hour ago? Uh, well there was loads that needed to be addressed really um, I suppose Brian came in and it's almost a state of the union type address because he wouldn't do an awful lot of media in that regard I actually can't remember the last time he would have done a press conference because it's normally left to Les and his coaches but the week that's in it uh, Bryn spoke to the media, addressed a range of things really. The key thing for me was the new strategic plan that he says is being put in place with reference, I suppose, to the last wide-ranging interview that somebody that high in the organisation would have given, as Shane Logan did, um, talking about being the best team in the world. And the key thing from what Bryn has said here today is that we really need to be more realistic than that. We need to address what Ulster Rugby is, where we want Ulster Rugby to be. And yes, they want to develop things to win trophies, to be in the position to win trophies, but they need to be realistic as to where they are now. And I think we can all agree it's not in with a shout of winning trophies this year, possibly next year. So looking at what what they're going to do really over the next three to five years, in terms of the actual detail when pressed on it, um, he emphasised that it was a work in progress in terms of who's involved in putting this together, obviously himself, Shane Logan, the professional game board, but talking to other stakeholders, his answer I think was something along the lines of there's too many to mention essentially, and then round off a few of the areas that they would be looking at in terms of, as we already know, the academy, the school system, the club system and trying to get the Ulster squad into a position where they're producing enough players that the NIQ talent goes back to being what it needed to be in terms of just adding a sprinkling of quality and in terms of an awful lot of senior players who are coming to a natural end of their careers. Players that have achieved an awful lot but are now the wrong side of 30. So there was talk about recruitment we're recording this on a Tuesday so he said that he had a meeting with David Nusifora tomorrow as in Wednesday to discuss areas of the squad he would be able to improve another key point was the fluidity of player availability next year now we'll not go into that too much I hope for what are obvious reasons but in terms of how difficult that makes it to know where you're going to stand next year as well with regards to NIQ recruitment as well. So there was an awful lot to uh, sort of sink your teeth into. So we'll... Uh... Well, we'll let you guys do that now. Um, before we <laughs> discuss it anymore, um, we'll just uh, we'll play some of the highlights um, of what Bryn had said. When Les first came in, everybody was hugely excited about it. Um, he's got a great pedigree. I come from the Irish scene. And I think both on and off the pitch, Everybody was excited. I think as an individual, everybody knows him well. Really good guy. Uh, very humble. Unbelievable work ethic. 
and put a huge amount of effort into doing everything he possibly could to try and make things work at Ulster Rugby. Unfortunately, for a variety of different reasons, um, things haven't panned out the way that, that he probably hoped um, and the way that everybody else hoped and the supporters hoped. Um, so I suppose it's the nature of professional rugby, isn't it, that there are changes that happen along the way and there's a change now and as far as we're concerned, it's an opportunity, I think is the way we're looking at it. Um, but to almost start from the, the foundations again, build back up again, uh, it's an opportunity to kind of look at almost our traditions, our history and what's important to us to rugby, what's important for supporters and stakeholders to see on the pitch. Um, we got to start trying to deliver a level of consistency uh, week in, week out, because I think we, we've, we've shown that we can play particularly well in patches, but sometimes our performances have really let ourselves down. So it's making sure we get those fundamental things in place and, and the type of characteristics we want to see in players, you know, that competitiveness of energy, enthusiasm, and with that, you know, comes performances. Just to hark back to the system before, are you David Humphreys and John O'Gates Mark Anscombe? I'm definitely not David Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> But I suppose, uh, in some ways, yes, the, the structure will probably fall more like that. Um, probably will allow Jono the opportunity to just really focus on the rugby, and I think that's important. I think, again, it's where we are right now at this moment. It's important that he doesn't have to worry about a lot of other off-field things. Um, we're going through a change at the moment as well, off the pitch in terms of the strategy of the organisation. We've probably come to a natural end there, and we're in the process for the last few months of looking at our strategy moving forward for the next three to five years, which is a really exciting thing now to be a part of. And I know that um, certainly externally, it probably looks like it's all about doom and gloom and, and, and things haven't been going as well as what we'd have hoped. And obviously with the off-field audit at present as well, Ulster's in, in the spotlight quite often for, for not the right reasons. Um, but as I said earlier, I see this as a fantastic opportunity for us to really develop a strategy more than anything that's organization-wide. It's not just the pro game. You know, we're an organization, we're a club, we're, we're clubs, schools, domestic rugby, volunteers, our supporters, our stakeholders. We've got to try and find something that everybody feels a part of, that buys into, um, and hopefully we can build something moving forward that's really strong. Jared Payne is in there helping out a little bit at the moment. Obviously, he's still injured at present and not available, um, but he's got a fantastic rugby brain. I think everybody understands that. As a 13, he's one of the smartest players in modern-day rugby. Uh, I know that Joe Schmidt holds him in incredibly high regard as well and how he operates and how he runs that back line. Um, we'd probably look for a bit of support as well from um, the RFU, um, maybe on a more consultancy basis over the immediate future. Do we have any plans to put anybody in place permanently between now and the end of the season? No, no. Will we look for anything beyond in the next season? Very possible. Would that be in terms of defence, or is there a possibility that somebody does eventually replace Les Kiss, or he's happy with the idea of going back to the structure that he's had before? No, I think it would be very much looking for a purely defence coach if we were going to go down that route. You've got to have a lot of ambition, um, and certainly with that, uh, it can be occasionally it can be misinterpreted. You know that we need to be literally the best club side in the world, and that's not really, I suppose, what the aim of that was. It was about it's about being just the very best in every facet of the game, both on field and off field. But I think now we've had a chance to sit back and look at what's actually important now. Where are, where are we? Let's take stock and let's have a bit of almost a bit of realism of exactly where we are. We've got to be optimistic. We've got to be positive about moving forward. But we've also got to appreciate where we are. 
we've got to mark ourselves against where we are right now and what we've got to do going forward and that's taking a kind of bird's eye view of the whole place because we need to look at it. it's not just about the protein and what's not right there it's about looking at how can we get more school players of a high enough quality through into the academy how can we develop in the academy to make them even better you know but we also have to realize that our player pool isn't as great as the likes of Leinster we will have to dip in occasionally to the Leinster Academy or further afield if it's Irish qualified to help us achieve and be at the top. Maybe there's an argument that over the last number of years we've started to lose our identity a little bit and I think it's important that we've got to start working really hard to get that back again. So Adam then, as an Ulster fan um, as well as a reporter, um, looking the way things are going forward now, how did what Bryn had to say sort of make you feel looking looking ahead? Well, the first thing I was very happy with was he didn't try to dodge the issue. There was no trying to dance around any of the problems. It was very much up front. We have areas that need addressed, so we are going to address them. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a very deep, in-depth review of where we need to address everything. And that's good for the organisation going forward because it was very clear that things weren't working um, the structure of how things worked especially at the uh, at the professional team level were not working and as a fan you, you can say all you want uh, uh, it doesn't matter if you don't back that up with actions so we're not gonna we're not gonna see sort of how it works out for a few years at least but Certainly, he's, he's saying all the right things, and that's a good start. You know, you just need them to sit down. You need there to be a lot of brutal honesty because, as I said, what what he's saying is good. But if you go into that review and you start saying, "Well, we could get away with this," you know, you, you're going to run into more problems down the line. You know, there has to be complete transparency, complete openness about where Ulster are not living up to expectations which unfortunately is in a lot of areas at the moment and they have to be addressed there are very very few of them are going to be quick fixes so I think from a fan's perspective there's just got to be a lot of patience um, just as things are improved, as things are addressed as things are turned around and you're hoping that down the line this can be a this can be something that will be a lot more viable and sustainable than it is now. I think really the key thing to come from it is you're talking about our strategic review being undertaken, but the key thing is, Adam says about transparency, that strategic review, whenever it's decided upon, it has to be addressed in these are the areas that we need to improve, these are our targets, and then you can be judged against these targets because the thing is with the statements that were made five years ago by Shane Logan, they have been used as a stick to beat Ulster because the target then was said to be, we want to be the best team in the world. So everything that you do is seen through the prism of, are we the best team in the world? And the answer is obviously not. We're not the best team in Ireland. And that's the way the fans are looking at things. So you need to, when the review is finished and complete, you need to let fans know what the various targets are, the areas that you have identified that you need to improve, and then fans can judge on their own merit how much is being done and how successful they're being in hitting those targets. An awful lot of it is going to be in terms of academy output and improving the school's game to a point where you're producing 
enough of your own players to be competitive. Now, Bryn addressed the idea of looking... There are times when they'll have to look to the Leinster Academy to fill gaps just in terms of population size and the number of players that they have. But you have to make people aware of what it is you're trying to do. That is a message that you have to get across. And then people can make their own minds up about how successfully you're doing it. The thing that I would say probably... Um, an awful lot of fans would point to is changing a, changing the strategy of the organisation. Brent talked an awful lot about culture and I, how you have to instil that in. This is probably seen to be a slow process and that's why it's so important that you let people know what you're actually doing so that there can be signposts along the way of, right, we're two years into this now, so say you know, 2020, and you can say, this is what we've done and this is how we've achieved it. We maybe haven't won a trophy yet because we're not in a position to do that, but we can see that we're working towards it and that's going to be the key thing for me. Well, can we expect that? I mean, is that something we can expect come the summertime, Ulster outline, all of those sort of things, or is it, is that in the, the pipeline? Yeah. It all depends. In their best interest. Yes, it, it would definitely be in their best Interests. I, I don't want to say yes and then Ulster not put something out because <laughs> that makes me look stupid. But as I say, it would be in their best interest too because the fans are crying out for just some sort of something from Ulster Rugby to say we are headed in the right direction. As we say, that that would be good in terms of a revised strategy, a revised target system. Um, so for, for Ulster, they have to get something... Out, I'm basically going in circles here. They have to get something out yeah. that suggests there is an end goal and we are working towards it in a positive way. It should not be world domination. No. <laughs> but if we're thinking that's likely then to be summertime that something like this is announced. If well, it's, it's it seemed to be. to be. I don't know if it'll be an official announcement or anything like that or yeah, but whether the people that should be made aware of this will be made aware of this. Um, it's probably important to note that whenever Bryn started talking about this, he was pressed on it in terms of who's involved in this and what actually is it in terms of the review. But then his answer being, well, it's not finished, so we're not in a position to tell you yet, that it can't be a kick in the can down the line type of thing. It has to be addressed at some stage yeah. because, as we said before, people view Ulster in the way that it's been said that by now they'd be the best team in the world and they're not so you have to have various signposts along the line and the only way to do that is have a degree of transparency without saying um, this is what we're doing and let every opposition club in the world know what you're doing but you have to have I suppose key performance indicators would be how it would be seen in the business world so that you can say one year into the strategic document or two years into the strategic document that you're making strides towards it and the only way to let fans see that that's being done is to give some sort of indicator into what you've actually decided to do. But we also heard in the press conference from Alan O'Connor and Johnny McPhillips so uh, what did those guys have to say from the players' point of view about um, last week's developments? Alan was actually very complimentary of Les saying that he'll uh, he'll miss him. Um, Obviously Les was the coach that gave him his first start and he's worked under for most of his professional career so I suppose there's that little bit of uh, of affinity towards Les from Al but certainly he said 
uh, they were all very surprised. They all got to say goodbye to him, and uh, he was certainly very much, you know, this this is just how it goes. This is uh, this is rugby. It's strange. It something that probably should be mentioned. It's strange for a rugby coach to go in the middle of a season. Yeah. Um, in rugby, it's usually you know end end of the season. A lot of changes are made, but um, yeah, it was just a case of you know. That this is what's happened. They've now got to move on. It's it's not like a brand new coaching staff has come in. It's just one of the current coaching staff has moved up into a more senior role. So just moving on with it. And um, I think that's a very professional uh, stance from the players, in my opinion. Um, the more interesting thing from anything that was said today, um, again Tuesday, sorry, was what Rory Best said in Paris on Friday. Um, at the captain's run before the Iron and France game where he said an awful lot of things in reference to Les obviously that he was a good guy and he'd be missed in that way but he said one that the players have to take responsibility but you can't sack the players well given how many players are leaving at the end of the season maybe you can but uh, <laughs> he also said that he knows that things that have been allowed to slide at Ulster wouldn't stand in Ireland camp and to me, that's very telling, and that's the primary thing that you need to fix in terms of a playing squad. Because if you're not at the standard of whatever that you need to be to play international rugby, then that, to me, is a big, big red flag. So whatever it was Rory um, meant by that, you have to probably start with getting your international players together and saying, right, this is, these are the standards that we adhere to when we're in Ireland camp. We have to make sure that these standards are adhered to at Kingspan Stadium because that shouldn't be a thing for me. The idea that up here is a less professional setup than Ireland or whatever, that's something that needs to be fixed and that probably ties into an awful lot of what Bryn said about culture. Like, culture is an overused word in rugby especially over the last few years. But that, that to me is not culture, that's professionalism. And that's something that needs to be addressed and addressed now. Um, John has got a reputation for giving people a kick up the arse. So that's something that he probably needs to take on board and ensure that whatever this slippage is stops now. Well, plenty of questions then, obviously, still to be answered. Um, in the meantime, though, until we do um, get the answers to those, it'll feel like a bit of a, a waiting room, I suppose, that is the rest of this season, beginning on Friday night uh, here at Kingspan Stadium. The covers are on the pitch um, to make sure that game goes ahead uh, in the, the freezing weather that we're currently enduring to bring you all your beloved Ulster Rugby Roundup podcast. Um, but looking at that game then, a uh, question from the forums, which... Um, sort of introduces it nicely do Ulster need a statement this Friday night for the fans or they just need a win I don't think Ulster need any statements to the end of the season I think they simply need results to get back into the Champions Cup and then once this review is done we can uh, start looking ahead from there it would be great if they got a statement Um, but you know they've changed the coaching structure Les Kiss is gone, Jono is in charge now it's all about him implementing his style on the team it's about him making sure that the team know what they're doing uh, and then just getting the results that get them into Europe for next year because that is the main thing for this team right now 
uh, is to make sure that they have Champions Cup rugby for next year and then if they can make a a run at second or possibly even first you know great but that's well down the line you know let's focus on uh, ensuring that third is secure um, and making sure that that's good as far as this week goes it's got to be a win so it's a statement in that regard it's it's got to be a win um, against a team like the Kings who are uh, without their head coach and um, you know it's got to be maybe Maybe not a bonus point win, but it's, it's got to be at least convincing. But in terms, of, no, 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 no. It's uh, it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe not a bonus point win against the Kings. Are you serious? Well, look, it, for me, this team has gone through a terrible festive period. They've been knocked out of Europe when they really should have made it into the last eight with one of the worst performances of the season in a season that has been filled with poor performances and they've just lost their director of rugby whether that's uh, <laughs> whether that's necessarily a negative thing uh, is up for debate I I purely would just I purely would just like to see Ulster playing decent rugby if the bonus point follows fantastic but if Ulster just put out a good performance that that's just a good stepping stone for going forward. They should be putting a bonus point on the Kings, but I would be ha- I would walk away from this place happy if we saw something that looked like a decent Ulster performance. If is you it, don't get a bonus it, point against the Kings at home, it's a disaster. <laughs> is it difficult then to get excited sitting here thinking about this match and the rest of the season? Or is it uh, is it just me or is it approaching? Wake me up when it's summertime. Time. No, I don't think so, and here's why. For all the talk about a new strategy moving forward, the key thing to this season hasn't been that people have realised that the squad's not good enough to challenge Leinster and Scarlets, because we didn't think that the squad was good enough to challenge Leinster and Scarlets at the start of the season, but this team hasn't performed to the best of its abilities. They've struggled here against the likes of Treviso they've gone away to Zebra and lost, they've scraped by the Kings who at that stage didn't have a point so you need to show that with Les leaving with the streamlined coaching structure that something is going to happen on the playing side, because it's all well and good saying Ulster aren't as good as Leinster that's fine you can look at the playing squads and they're not as good as Leinster but the players that are here are much better than the players that will be here for the Kings. So for the rest of the season, in order to show, and I don't think there's anybody within Kingspan, I don't think probably even Les would say it himself, that think that what's been on the pitch this season has been an acceptable reflection of the talent that's there. So for the rest of the season, you have to be in a position where the team is performing as the team should. Ulster have lost games and struggled in games when they've been far better. We can talk till we're blue in the face about the fact that they've come up against good sides like Leinster and La Rochelle and Wasps and been by far second best. You know, the, we threw out the stat last week that they've been beat by 15 points five times this year. But those have been against good teams, teams that are better than them. But for the next eight games, 
seven of them, six of them, they'll be playing teams that they're better than. So you have to be able to go out and show that you're doing something in training now that means that you're playing to the best of your capabilities, which not even the best of your capabilities, 80% of your capabilities in every game because you haven't been doing that. And I don't think you can make a statement against the Kings. I don't think you can make a positive statement against the Kings like we saw out in South Africa where they won the game, got a bonus point, and it was still a result that put the wheels in motion for where we sit today with a different man in charge. So you need to go out and get a bonus point, purely speaking in terms of the table, because Edinburgh are playing Leinster. It's going to be a very different Leinster team, obviously, with in the middle of an Ireland camp but this needs to be a big a big big two weeks because you're playing Edinburgh at home next week so if you win these two games say you get nine points from them and Edinburgh get one point then that's a massive swing and really sets you up especially with the fixtures that Edinburgh have but I wouldn't talk in terms of statements and I was mentioned on the forum it was mentioned in the Twitter questions by Ian about a statement and I don't think you can have that against a team that you should be so much better than so you just have to show that you're so much better than them and that's something that we haven't seen enough this season against inferior opposition because let's not beat around the bush that's what this is and you get that a lot in this league where you're playing inferior opposition so it's time for Ulster to show that they're better than these teams which is something that they haven't done Yeah, you, you look at the teams at the top of our conference Lancer and the Scarlets, who are putting teams to the sword week in, week out. And you're right, Ulster haven't done that. <clears throat> the Kings are not the best team in this league. They are not They are not the worst team in this league. They are by far the worst team in this league. <laughs> but um, I, personally, for me, this team just need they need some kind of confidence. They need they need something to grasp onto and run with. But more most importantly is they need to then grasp onto it and run with it because they've had those games where they've looked good, like La Rochelle and um, the Scarlets game here. While not the perfect performance, was something you could latch onto and say, "Let's go with this." But this team just hasn't done that. They need something from this week that they can say, "Yeah, we were so much better. We were great. Let's take that. Let's move it on to next week, and let's keep building on that." There's been no building blocks set up this season that they have then used to go on and further their uh, ambitions. That has to start now. There has to be some sort of evidence that this team is going in the right direction before the end of the season so that then they can take that into next year whenever things are supposedly going to get even better. I, I really don't think we should overblow the idea that a review is happening because it's something that's been talked about for a while, for a number of months, basically, that this was going to happen. I don't think we should put too much stock into it because we... This has been done with Ulster where it's been a case of, oh, well, we have to wait till Les arrives or we have to wait till Les has a hand-picked coaching team or we have to wait to see his fit because you can't just keep waiting. So you need to judge this team in terms of where they are, how good they are, who they're better than. And in terms of this conference, they're the third best team 
they should be the third best team by a distance and at the minute they're not because they haven't had the results and they've struggled against teams that they should be far far better than so that's all that you want to see I don't want it to be another situation where we feel like we're playing a waiting game and you're saying on oh, you know it's that next season syndrome that's that shouldn't be a thing you just have to judge this team on its merits and on its merits they're the third best team in this conference and should be showing it throughout the rest of the season fixtures have fallen incredibly kindly for this team to date in the sense that they haven't had that many tough away games and the ones that they have had against opposition that are either on a par or better than them they've looked really bad in but they only have one more of those games because they've got Leinster last up you have to go to Scarlets but you're playing a Scarlets they're going to have between 10 and 15 of their players in a Wales squad that weekend so and Glasgow as well like Glasgow are coming here but they'll be coming here without their Scottish internationals presumably or most of them so you have a position just to show how good a team you should be and I'm not saying that's a team that's going to win the Pro 14 title but you have to show that you're better than some of the dross teams in this league and that's got no relevance the next year and I don't think it's going to be a case of they win five of their last eight games finish third go and lose in Thoman Park in a quarter final and then we're in a position where oh we've got the strategic review coming so next year is going to be fine because that's not the case any strategic review that's put in place is only going to bear fruit in three to five years but you can't be hanging your hat on this and saying oh well things are going to be grand in three to five years because didn't happen last time exactly the, <laughs> sa- exactly the same people that put things in place now that's not to put Bryn in that because Bryn wasn't involved but an awful lot of the same people that put the last strategic review in place are still here so I don't want people to think that we're latching on to this like it's going to be some sort of miracle drug that's going to fix everything because we're all in agreement that they need to start producing more of their own players because that's the blueprint for success but you're not going to see these players come through for a while and there's a good representation in the under-20s and there's a good number of players in the academy that we've either seen at club level and have been impressed by or have been told that the coaches are impressed by, so on and so forth. But the key thing in terms of on-field performance with an obvious reference to the fact that you felt the need to change the head man of the on-field operation is that you start to be better than teams that you should be better than already not worrying about how you're going to be next year or two years well if that's the first step then um, on life without layers johnny mcphillips had his say about what to expect against southern kings obviously i think you know it's sort of i think if you ask any of the tens it's everyone's goal to be you know the starter week in week out but in terms of uh, the mindset for the next games as it was until the end of the season personally and from a team I think you know we focus on each game at a time there's no point thinking about oh when we get to this or or this hopefully this happens I think the best you know to get the best outcomes we just focus on the week ahead prepare right prepare well hopefully play well deliver a good performance build confidence and just take it week by week and then hopefully as a result of that like you say you know you can put in good performances that give you the best possible chance of you know, holding on to the starting shirt week after week or game after game and gives puts you in a good position for next year regardless of 
of who's going to be here. A happier note then, um, Ireland. What a what a match. What a finish. Um, Johnny Sexton causing every journalist in the Stade de France to hit the delete button um, right at the end. Uh, with unbelievable. One of the, the great moments of Irish rugby. I like the way you turned to me and not the guy who was actually there. But um... <laughs> no, they rarely seen triple delete of the intro in the last ten minutes. <laughs> Even I, I was doing a wee quick one just to, to face over uh, rugby. All I had my finger over the publish button. And I was like, oh, for goodness. <laughs> you know what? I thought he was still too far out. I thought he, yeah. I thought he was too, just, too just far out to get it. it but um, I know, look, there are a lot of people you've got to give credit for for those 41 phases, for, most of all Jonathan Sexton for landing the drop goal, but you've got Sexton again for that drop out, you've got Henderson for catching the drop out. An Ulster player claiming a restart. An Ulster player <laughs> claiming a restart. You've got Sexton again for the crossfield kick, Earls for the great catch for the crossfield kick. You've got Henderson again. I think the carry that he makes on the 40th phase gives them that little bit of extra space. It causes France to backtrack a bit. Murray's pass is perfect, and Sexton has all the time in the world to kick that drop goal because France France are so tired that their, their chase down of Sexton is half-hearted at the most, and I don't blame them because they must have been out in their feet at that point. Um, but those 41 phases, just to get that win, what that says about this team is incredible, and the celebrations sort of match that. Well, but it's, it's been said, it it doesn't matter uh, at all if they then go and mess it up in the next few weeks, but um, certainly absolutely fantastic that uh, they hung in there to the end and got that. The never-say-die never attitude is just incredible. Are there celebrations in the press box as well, then? No. Um... I think no time of, for celebrations. Not no time for celebrations. Like you definitely lose. You have to lose the element of being a fan and elated in that moment when you're doing a job. So you're not really happy or sad if a te- if the yeah. team that, as a child, you would have followed because you're not there as a fan anymore. It's the same when you're covering Ulster. Like it's. Like you don't have to lose it completely. I think. <laughs> well, I think you do. Um, so you're you're analysing it in a how you get forty one phases to win a game that you should have won, already had won. Um, but no celebrations in the press box certainly wouldn't be. Wouldn't so be if a I thing. were to see the Grand Slam at Twickenham and Munson Patrick say you wouldn't be out of your seat. I would be thinking about the 15 pages of copy I'd have to produce from Monday morning. <laughs> so fingers crossed they don't from your point of view. <laughs> um, this weekend then, very, very briefly, at home to Italy. Um, hopefully there'll not be uh, quite such as much panic in the, the losing stages, <laughs> but um, we see three Ulster players in the lineup again? Um, we should do. Um, I mean... Six Nations is formatted in such a way that you can't really afford to chop and change too much. So um, you'd like to think we'd still have the three Ulstermen in there and it should be a a lot more straightforward for Ireland at home against Italy. You really shouldn't be slipping up here. And it's the perfect game for Ireland because it just allows them to keep building into the competition. You would like that explosive start uh, from the beginning of course you would but uh, after last week wherever you've 
pretty much dominated most of the game and you've only won it with the last kick Italy provides that bit of relief where you can go in and as long as you stick to your processes and you do the basics right you should be coming away with a pretty standard victory and then that sets you up to go for the newly or the newly introduced bonus points which I still don't agree with for the Six yeah. Nations but um, <clears throat> I actually I think that you will see changes I don't think we'll see three Allstermans start so who do you think will or and won't? I just don't think we'll see three of them start. Well, who do you think will start? I think it's important. Now, come on, stop being a politician. I, I want to. I want you to give us the names yes. of the Ulster players that are going to be in the starting lineup. I don't know, and the reason that I don't know is because I don't know if <laughs> events over the last week have changed any plans as to who would and wouldn't start or be involved on Saturday. But aside from that. I think it's important that we see Jacob Stockdale play and play a part in a good win because he didn't get an awful lot of space to operate in. Obviously, zero line breaks from Ireland in the whole game tells you about the amount of space that Ireland's wings had to play in. He got taken off very quickly after the try. There's been an awful lot of debate on social media that I've seen about the various different areas where that Teddy Thomas try came about. One of them certainly has fallen on Jacob. And I think in terms of his confidence, I think it's important that he gets another run out in the same way that we saw him against mm-hmm. Leinster and then come back against La Rochelle. You, mm-hmm. you, you're really hoping that he doesn't lose out in this game. Mm-hmm. And... Because Italy's always a, diff- a difficult game. Like You, you kind of go back to that 2009 Grand Slam season and then making changes for the Scotland game. And then it's difficult. Obviously, in that instance, Declan Kidney brought all the guys back. But it's difficult in that instance to then say that, say, for instance, Fergus McFadden, who's a Joe Schmidt favourite, comes in and plays scores two tries it's difficult to then drop him for the next week Jordan Larmer maybe comes in and does the business then it's you're in a difficult position going into the Wales game like if we see Carberry Johnny Sexton will come in against Wales but Stockdale's not in that position yet Um, it's amazing to me how quickly people's opinions can change like Stockdale is the absolute man in November and now there's people calling him for calling for him to be dropped and replaced with Larmer he's even younger and you know now Jordan Larmer's the bright young thing in Irish rugby and people are calling for Stockdale to be out of there already so that to me is going to be the interesting part of the team selection as I say I really hope that uh, Stockdale does get another go because I think it's important for him well, that game kicks off at 2.15 on Saturday when good news for Ulster's club players. They'll be able to watch it because there are no All-Ireland uh, fixtures this Saturday. Um, and Adam has a roundup of how the clubs got on last weekend. Yeah, I just want to give a quick mention for uh, banger flanker David Bradford first. Um, he's still actually in hospital down south after injury against Brough. 
so hopefully he'll be home either today or tomorrow. So our thoughts are with him as he recovers. Uh, but yeah, at the weekend in Division 1B, a late penalty try for Bambridge saw them share a 15-all draw with Shannon, and that allowed Ballina Hinch to go top of the table with their last gasp 27-24 victory away to Nace. That needed an injury time drop goal for the win. Uh, while Ballymena couldn't back up their big win uh, over Shannon a couple of weeks ago, they fell to a heavy 50-12 defeat at UCC. Um, so as I said, Hinch are now top on 47 points, followed closely by Shannon on 45 and Banbridge on 41. Ballymena have now fallen to 9th on 21 points. In Division 2A, Malone show no signs of slowing up as they picked up a bonus point in their 34-18 win away to City of Armagh, while Queen's narrowly, narrowly lost their university derby away to Blackrock College 15-14. That keeps Malone top on 55 points, 7 clear of 2nd place Highfield. City of Armagh fall to 5th on 31 points. Queen's are a place further behind on 27 in Division 2B, Rainey got back in the win column with a 31-22 success away to Wanderers. Dungannon lost a tight meeting with MU Barnhall at Stevenson Park, where it finished 10-5, while Belfast Harlequins were beaten 22-26 at home to Sunday as well, and City of Derry lost 12-37 against Navan. That means Rainey stay second on 53 points. They're still seven off leaders Old Crescent. Dungannon remains sixth on 33, with Belfast Harlequins and City of Derry ninth and tenth. And in Division 2C, Bang battled to an away draw at playoff rivals Brough, that game ending 10-10, while Oma's defence was exceptional in their 12-0 home win against Seapoint. That means Bangor remain fourth on 34 points, just five off leaders Malahide, with Oma a point further back in sixth. Well, Bambridge then, we picked as our game of the week last week. They couldn't get the win for us, but um, they were very nearly beaten by the sound of it. You were there, Adam. I was there. Um, they were very nearly beaten, and then they very nearly won it. Um, a late yellow card for Shannon gave Bambridge sort of the momentum to go on. They got a penalty try with a couple of minutes to go, and then they managed to work their way all the way back up the pitch from the restart and they nearly scored with the last play of the game but um, no, a 15 all draw against Shannon is a good result, you've got to remember this is Bambridge's first year in 1B you know, and they're also dealing without two of their fly halves uh, which is even more incredible, so if they, can get, if they can keep up there and get in good position for the playoffs you never know um, but the, this this was a positive result for them because Shannon, really, I was quite disappointed and also impressed by Shannon because um, their tactic, their one tactic was to kick the high ball, which they always won. So I was impressed by the fact that they kept using the same tactic to great success every time, but it was all they were doing. Bambridge were equal to them in every other aspect uh, except in the aerial battle. So they are there to be beaten, and uh, Bambridge certainly did hinch a favour at the weekend. Yeah, well, Adam spoke to Bambridge's try scorer Adam Irvine um, after the game on Saturday, and here's what he had to say about the draw. Yeah, it's definitely good to get something and come back. Showed a lot of heart to come back in the end, but very disappointing. Neither side's very happy with the draw in the end of it, and the momentum that we had in the last five minutes. If we look like we're going to pull a score away, but uh, whatever should be. Yeah, you left it late, but you could have even gotten more from it if you got over at the end there. Yeah, and look, hopefully we don't we don't rue that in the end. But I think it shows how far we've come as a club that 
we were out there in that pitch playing a very good Shannon team and we're very disappointed in there in the changing room after the draw. Yeah, first year in this league and you're competing with the best in it and you're even looking like a team who could be promoted. You know, you've got to be delighted with how the season's been going. Yeah, no, it's brilliant with a good core of Banbridge fellas. I think probably 12, 13 of us there are from in and around the Banbridge area and the guys that have come in this year really added a lot and really bought into what we're trying to do here. So that makes a big difference. And now a week off before you head away to Henshin and Ulster Derby. That's going to be another big one in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we always look forward to the Ulster Derbies and I'm sure they're looking forward to it as well after coming down here before Christmas and where we beat them. So now both teams will be looking forward to it. Bamberg's in still up towards the top of Division 1B and I think it's safe to say that whatever happens the rest of the season, it's been a, a very uh, positive campaign, their first uh, season in Division 1B. Um, a little bit of housekeeping as regards listener questions. We haven't really directly uh, addressed many this week, but that's because a lot uh, were addressed by what Bryn um, had to say. So hopefully what you wanted to know um, you have learned in the first half of this podcast, but um, we'll be back and we will be more directly um interacting with all your questions next week so please do keep them coming in and that's us we're out of time at a freezing cold Kingspan Stadium um, from Jonathan Bradley cheers guys thanks very much Adam McKendrick cheers guys and me Gareth Hanna thanks for listening